Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainor, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey Iz. Hi Em. So last week we recorded our episode right after Bethany had released parts one and two of her interview with Raquel. And we knew by the time the episode came out, part three would be released. But we said, if there was anything worth talking about, we talk about it this week. So after listening to part three, I'd like to get into a little bit of a discussion. I guess my first question is, how are you feeling generally on the whole thing? <laughs> Thank you for asking. Honestly, <laughs> I'm just so thrilled to be on the other side of this because it's been just dragged out. And I feel like I've just been seeing so much about this interview and it's been really oversaturated and all for something where I really don't feel like I got that much out of it. And like we spoke about last week, mostly about Bethany's agenda and less about Raquel's actual story. So like parts one, two, and three have no beginning and end to me. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm glad we're past it. Well, I was thinking about last week, how I feel like we came in pretty hot. Like I remember talking about it and in the middle of the episode, me asking you, why am I getting so worked up about this? Whereas this week, I guess now that the dust has settled, I just feel kind of apathetic to it. Like yeah. I don't have that same emotion assigned to it in the way that I did last week. And I guess generally speaking, if I were to try to give the most broad overview of my feelings, it's like, I stand by what I said last week and that I do feel for Raquel as much as I think the whole thing was beyond shitty. Like she is still a human being. I can of course have compassion for what she went through. And I do think it's interesting to hear about it from her perspective. It was just that for me in this particular platform and the way that it was delivered, the Bethany of it all and that agenda being constantly infused to the whole interview felt very distracting and almost a little bit disingenuous. Although it's not a hundred percent the take online. I mean, many people feel that way, but also many people actually felt that Bethany doing the interview, being someone that was totally uninformed on the situation was actually a plus. I personally don't feel that way, but like, you know what, <laughs> however you feel about this, I support you. Yeah. I think it wasn't necessarily a huge loss for Raquel. If anything, I do think her humanity came through. And I think we all as a whole are a little bit calmed down, like the dust has settled, our anger and, you know, obsession with the whole thing has dwindled. So we can hear her and understand the impact that this whole situation had on a human being, which like, by the way, is just fascinating overall from a pop culture phenomenon perspective. Like what does that look like when you go through something like that and you are portrayed as the villain and you are the villain and like what effect can that have on a person in the age of social media and everything that we have, which to me was like the fascinating part of the interview. And I think to actually be able to hear her not in a reunion setting was important. And I completely get why she would want to do that. It just, just the Bethany of it all. I mean, I even took one for the team and listened to that fourth 
I guess, part of this equation where Bethany did an aftermath of what has been going on post Raquel interview. Yeah, I did not get to that one. How how was that? What was your experience like? You're lucky. <laughs> it was um, not great. It was pretty much a wild ride, I guess is a nice way to put it. It was a lot about ratings, the Bethany agenda, numbers, breaking the internet, how people want to make documentaries about this experience and just Bethany's experience overall. And just a lot of, again, ill-informed things that just Bethany still does not know about the whole situation. Um, I thought that there would maybe be tidbits, but again, it all just mushes together because the greater goal is the Bethany reality reckoning and her trying to clarify and how much she loves everyone talking about her. Truly, that she says it herself. I'm not even making that up. I think what's really interesting about it, just from the Bethany perspective for me, in terms of the evolution of her and kind of this character of herself, is almost how unrelatable I find it, like personally, in that I, I would consider myself a little like controversy averse. Like it's certainly not something that I am excited by. And she is deeply enthused by the idea of controversy and an overwhelming amount of public attention. Like she more than seeks that out. She thrives off of that. And I I always find it interesting to watch people who operate like that because I can't imagine existing in that environment every single day. Like to me, it would just be so unsettling to my nervous system. And you can tell that is really her most comfortable setting. No, it literally feeds her. She wants the comments. She loves the trolls. She's inviting everyone in. She wants people to just talk about her and comment. She's like, it gives engagement. I think she thinks she knows something that everyone else doesn't know in that the more people are talking, like the more views and numbers and everything it gets. And to her, that is the number one most important thing, I guess. I mean, something I said to you where I really, as it seeps in more and more, I feel this is when I was listening to that like fourth part episode where it's called the aftermath or something like that, the follow-up. I was like, if season, I don't know, seven Bethany listened to this podcast, she would not like this person. And that is like one of the hardest pills to swallow because she is so engulfed in this world now and has become, like I said, kind of obsessed with like the feeding frenzy that this is now all she can do and think and talk about. I mean, I said this to you after listening to part three, and I know this was so not the point of it, which we can get into some of the specifics of what Raquel said, but every time Bethany mentions Andy in whatever capacity, I always wonder like, here they are, they're both in the Hamptons for the majority of the summer. What is it like if they have a run-in in current day? Because we're talking about the same people that used to hang out constantly. They'd be at Round Swamp. They'd be on a beach walk. That was not at all uncommon. They really had a true friendship. And it's just, I know Bethany even said this, like she in part three said, you know, people will say that, why am I biting the hand that feeds me? And why am I? And again, if this is her agenda and there could be a lot of legitimacy behind it, I'm not even faulting her for it. I'm genuinely curious from the perspective of like, they were I think pretty close friends. And it's not just because of the nature of her mission that he's being brought in. Of course, he would be regardless because so much of what she's talking about, he is directly involved in. But when she specifically mentions him and kind of comes at him, I'm just curious, has there been a conversation? Would he be open to a conversation? Would she be open to a conversation? What is it like if they're in 
the same space at an event or a dinner. Like I, I can't explain to you how fascinating that dynamic is to me. No, I know because she did such a 180 of just like loving Andy, being actually friends with him. She fell in that category of Kyle and Caroline Manzo and all those people that I think Andy viewed as like real friends, Jenna Lyons now, that were also housewives. And he really had to be careful to not let that be known to the other women so that there was no like priorities and favoritism. Bethany says in like this fourth part that it's not just about Andy and that he hasn't reached out to her and that it really is about the reality sphere as a whole. And it's not just like her coming for Andy Cohen, but then she continues to cite like all these specific examples of Andy at a reunion, Andy at the Vanderpump reunion, or like all these housewives shows, little things I think that she has picked up on. I'm assuming that a lot of people have sent her examples of moments throughout the years and years and thousands of episodes that could now fall into her category of workplace misconduct. I mean, she even is talking about the Below Deck Down Under episodes that we spoke about and saying that production didn't step in. And again, it's clear she didn't watch the episodes, which is just infuriating. But she just keeps saying it's not about Andy and then making it about Andy. And I think the public really views, like when you are attacking Bravo and Housewives, they view Andy as the face of that, even though, of course, there's so many other people behind the scenes and a lot of it is really these production companies that are independent and not all Housewives are done by the same production companies. But like, he's obviously going to take the brunt of this and it's just, it's such a crazy situation. Like, what if they run into each other? How is Andy feeling about this? Like, he must be so upset, but also kind of like, is this going to work? Is this a real thing? And how how does he proceed now? I don't know. I don't feel informed enough from a legal perspective to understand exactly how this could play out. I very much get what she's saying. And specifically, you know, in her conversation with Raquel, I understand the different points that she's making and how she outlines it. I just don't know what falls under what category. And then what is something that could be considered legally crossing the line? I don't feel that I have a good enough gauge on that. You know, and and by the way, I don't know if she does or even thinks that she does. I think in her mind, it's like something is not right here. And I don't think she fully knows necessarily just how far that could go, but she's certainly willing to take it there. I mean, she's not fucking around with this. I also think I'll put the links in our description, but Bethany was on Watch What Happens Live only eight months ago with Jeff Lewis. And people are citing a couple of clips where obviously Andy like feels comfortable with Bethany. Bethany can take anything. And he makes a couple shots at her. Like he thinks her doing a Housewives podcast is hypocritical because she kept trashing Housewives and how they didn't call her for the New York reboot because they knew that she would say no and it would be a whole thing. They are citing that or people think that that was like a turning point in her feelings towards Andy and the network and sort of realizing like, why do I need to not, I guess, express how I feel? And I think she saw this opening to have this like position of power and maybe take an idea that she had and run with it. And that that episode or that moment was when she was like, fuck this. I don't need to be part of the Bravo universe anymore. Like, I don't care about going to BravoCon. I'd rather make waves in the way that she is now and controversy and attention and power. And 
all the things that I guess are happening now behind the scenes with this whole movement that she's trying to create. It's, it's absolutely fucking fascinating. I mean, right? like it's so it, fascinating. No. It's funny. Cause as much as I like can't stand when she's like, so many people want to make movies about me and you know, so braggy about it and like so proud of herself. I'm like, you know, I would watch the fuck out of that. But that's what I was saying to you last week about her cottage cheese analysis. I can, like, I say all of this stuff. Meanwhile, I am the first one to acknowledge how infatuated I am by her. I, there's not one time when she, I'm scrolling on my TikTok and she'll come up wherever the fuck she is, whether she is like on the floor of her bathroom or she's taking you through the dollar store in her sprinter van. Like, I'm watching. I am fully watching. And by the way, this Olay ad comes up a few more times and I may just be purchasing. Like, I, I you know what I mean? I'm such a hypocrite in that way. I know. It's really hard. She's fascinating. And like, I still obviously want to see a tour when she redid her basement in the Hamptons, but also that's that's just what reality TV is. She's making her own reality TV. She's saying, I put my videos on YouTube and they get as many views as the New York reboot. Like, fine, we'll watch it. That's what I'm saying. I'll watch. I'm not, I'm not a hater to the point that I'm not watching. I'm just deeply perplexed by the behavior of someone that we felt like we knew for so many years. And we are now reacquainting ourselves with a new version of Bethany. doesn't mean I'm not at all interacting with her content. I'm just wrapping my mind around this new person. Yeah. It's, it's not fun, but it's definitely an interesting ride we're on. So Mother's Day is coming up. And I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. In terms of some of the takeaways from Raquel, just like a bulleted list of some of our notes, she said that she was given a mental health advocate that was supposed to be present with her in the trailer while she was watching the reunion. And that apparently Bravo took that away from her almost as a punishment after she spoke with that paparazzi sitting outside of the nail salon because they felt as though she was speaking ahead of the reunion when any of those conversations should be left for the reunion, which... As a total side note, if that is what happened, to me, I don't see how one equals the other. Not saying that was right of her to talk to the paparazzi, but also having a mental health advocate should not be contingent on that, in my personal opinion. She also said that she asked the network to pay for her mental health facility treatment, which they denied. Bethany then asked her if the network had done anything differently recently, given the fact that they are aware of this reality reckoning and potentially her involvement. And she said they recently offered to pay for security outside of her parents' house in Arizona, which she feels is a direct result of them being aware of the fact that she may be involved with this reality reckoning. 
She talked about how she wants to start a podcast of her own, which Bethany didn't directly say that she is going to be involved in from a business perspective, but I would not be even remotely surprised if it comes out that it's under Bethany's production because when Raquel said it, I don't know, to me, Bethany's response made it sound like there's a world in which she would be involved in that. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I, I don't know. I mean, who who knows? But I just feel that that could certainly be a possibility. For sure. She also said she will never go back to reality TV. And they did ask her and she did consider it for a second. She said that she requested equal pay as Tom and Ariana, to which they refused. She says she has a no contact policy with every single cast member. She said that Lala has reached out to her saying that she's willing to lend an ear. But Raquel's kind of skeptical of Lala and of anyone else and feels that Lala specifically would maybe want to use Raquel as a way to really take down Randall as the narcissist he is and kind of tie Raquel's story into all of that. When Bethany was asking her kind of about the way her other castmates had reacted to Scandaval, she cited one of the more disturbing things is when she sent those letters to the entire cast, you know, telling them to not share the video that was taken without her consent that Lala's response of like, send it to my lawyer, send it to Daryl, don't send it to me. Lala capitalizing on that merch was was very traumatic for her, which I actually wanted to say, I don't think we mentioned this last week because we didn't get into the specifics, but let it just go without saying. And I know we even said this at the time when the whole thing was breaking, like no matter what you want to think about anything, Tom recording her without her consent is inexcusable behavior. And I know how violating that is. And I have nothing but pure empathy for her that that was something she had to go through. Same. And then to see somebody capitalize on it so directly in a moment where you're feeling so vulnerable about that video and so much more attention being brought to it. Like, I get it. That's fucking crazy and scary. She also had said that Lala made so much money on the merch that she used it as a down payment for her house in the desert. Whereas we know she like literally is sharing a lawn basically with Sheena and Brock. She said that she stole the house from Sheena and Brock. Sheena denied that, but That was like an interesting perspective. I thought that that was even a thing in her radar. She also got into the stuff about Graham, her dog, that she had shared with James when they were together. We saw a lot about this. Honestly, everything was from social media because we, of course, have not seen Vanderpump Rules this season yet. And like from the posting and all of a sudden seeing James got Graham back and changed his name and that... Basically, Graham had been sent to a shelter by Raquel and that Lisa Vanderpump had to like come to the rescue, save the day, adopt him and bring him back to James. Now, when you're listening to Raquel's story, it honestly sounds true. I have no way to know yet because we can't have a great opinion until we watch the show. I do think a lot of the things she said like make sense. Like it's very Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy esque of Lisa to like come in, save the day, save the dog, and then only want to film it. But I don't know if what she's saying is true. I guess it makes sense that she want, you know, had to choose herself and couldn't have this dog be living with her mom if he bit her. I don't know if the way she went about it was right. I don't know what James' relationship with the dog is. I don't know if the dog actually bit. Like who's to say? But it just was, I guess, interesting to hear her say like, this is just going to further my villain narrative. And now, especially because she won't be on the show, she can't answer for herself. She won't be able to tell her story. This is kind of her moment. I'm sure she'll go on social media. I'm sure now she has a podcast. She'll probably be responding to a ton of things that are said on the show about her, which like, if you're asking me, sounds exhausting and mentally draining, but it's her reality now. But 
it will be so easy for them to just be able to say whatever they want about her because she's not around. So they want to say that she left the dog on the side of the road and Lisa came in a magical castle and picked up the dog. They can say that. Well, that's honestly something they were talking about last week in part two, I believe, in terms of the idea of, you know, your story being told for you. Because Bethany was saying that that's a line that producers will frequently use to try to get the talent back to say, listen, I know it may be hard to talk about, or I know you may not want to do it, but if you don't do it, your story is going to be told for you. And most likely you're going to like that outcome significantly less. And they were talking about how easy it is to kind of be drawn back into that. And here Raquel was saying she's accepted that that's kind of how it's going to play out, but nothing is worth for her going back to reality TV, which in this moment, I fully believe that that is her reality. I don't think she's saying something that she doesn't truly feel. I do just wonder if there's a world in which the dust settles, the network comes back to her a year from now with a very enticing offer, if her mind could potentially change on that. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I also think it is so hard to say from her perspective how she's going to react to everyone talking about her without her having that same platform to respond to until it happens. Because she may actually find it liberating that she's not in the mix and she can completely address it on her own terms on her podcast. Or she may think, you know what? Being involved is traumatic, but having to stand by is even more traumatic. And I want to get back in there. At least let me make something off of it. I don't think she necessarily knows how she's going to feel. I will be very curious to see how they play out the season without it just seeming like everyone sitting around talking about Raquel and Raquel is nowhere to be found. Like, how do you even edit or produce a show like that? It will be something that they have to tackle. Oh, I mean, there will be an overwhelming amount of discussion about her. She's just making the choice to not be involved in that. And I don't, I don't know what this season looks like. I There's really, no really right don't. answer for her. No, I mean, that's the thing in all of this. It's like, I, of course I feel for the girl when she's talking about the death threats coming to her house. We said this at the time in the height of Scandal, when we were the most involved in this, it was like, but remember, like she's still a person that deserves basic human respect. Like there is a line and no matter who the person is, you just don't cross it. So while maintaining that, I also want to say, if you were listening to this and you knew nothing, you would think she did absolutely nothing wrong. And I, I as I'm listening to this, I think partially because of Bethany's tone and partially because of how much time has passed, everyone's softened to the whole thing, which is fine. That's, that's what happens. It would be weird if everyone was still on level 100 this many months past the fact. But like, let us not forget just the level of betrayal that was occurring and not that she should be crucified for it her entire life, but it was a situation, even if getting involved for reasons that she felt beyond her control, she was involved in. And so to say none of the anger was warranted is just, is untrue. None of the hatred and the death threats were warranted, but the anger certainly was. It's like, there's such a balance because one minute I'm listening, I'm like, oh, Bethany, you don't understand how fucking bad this was. Like it blew up for a reason because it was so bad. Like you almost could not believe it. Your jaw was on the floor freaking out. But then a minute later, I'm like, well, she didn't kill anybody. Like on the scale of bad things you can do, yes, sleeping with someone's boyfriend for seven months is obviously bad, but it's not like the, it's not cause for death threats and trauma for like the whole rest of your life for you and your family. You know, like there's, there's a middle ground between the two. No, of course there's a middle ground. And obviously that's an important perspective to have and to maintain. 
it's just, you know, like I said last week, I, what was bothersome to me was the vague brushstroke that Bethany attempted to paint this whole thing with. And it's just simply not as vague as this is a cheating scandal. There's a million other cheating scandals. Why is this person so villainized? Like, well, (laughs) a lot of other things went into that and it's not that she should pay her whole life for it, but to act as though people's shock to this was an overreaction is really bold when you weren't on the journey. And I still feel that way. Exactly. Like there's a reason so many people felt the exact same way. That wasn't just a coincidence. No, it wasn't just a coincidence. And and all of that can be true. And it can also be true that Raquel deserves to live the rest of her life, you know, not like paying for these sins. I mean, she, again, yes, she's of course a fucking human being. I just think it would have landed harder if it came in a different form. But you know what? That's just my my thought and, and other people may feel differently. And that's just how the cookie crumbled, as they say. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I feel like this was a jam-packed episode of OC. So much happened. A lot of it was like around Shannon, but everyone was at a level 10. I think everyone was just like fed up. That dinner where they all were dressed up as each other really, really deeply affected them and I think brought everyone to a breaking point. And also what we always talk about, this is prime example of like having the history of the friendships is super necessary for, I mean, at least from my perspective, 
the level of involvement that the audience feels. Like I actually care about what's going on between Shannon and Emily. And also like understanding that Heather really does care about Shannon and has been a good friend to her, but they've also had a lot of issues. So that's why this is so relevant and like that their tumultuous past has had an effect on them. But something about seeing Emily get that upset in that way, because we've seen her mad, we've seen her fight, but this felt, it felt different, don't you think? I mean, when she was sitting at that coffee shop and she's on FaceTime with Shannon and she's trying to end the call and it's not ending, part of that was just frustration with technology because there's I nothing felt more that annoying. in my core. Yeah, like there's nothing more annoying than when you're trying to end a call and it's not working. But also I felt her entire reaction like in my bones. That is a level of frustration that is palpable. You could tell that's not the kind of thing you can just make up. There's only a, a certain type of person and a level of relationship that can get you to that point. A person you don't give a shit about can't get you to that point. Yeah. And also like they both at the same time, both Shannon and Emily on opposite ends of the phone are breaking the fourth wall and talking to production because it got to that point where it was like, I cannot go to Shannon's party and she is not like, we're not going to get anywhere with this storyline because she's not remembering how many people she talks to about her relationship with John and that no one is saying it's the worst thing in the world. They're just saying that they have heard things and there's cracks. And Shannon on the other side is spilling her guts and saying all the things that she's so worried about getting out there, which like, yeah, they're bad, but they're like relationship issues, nothing crazy. And there's like, boom, put it out there. She says, don't put this on the show. They obviously do. She's so upset. Keeps storming off. This is like the fourth time in a week. And it's like, that's how you know. It's a real, real deal going on here. Well, and also what was interesting about this particular fight is when Emily says to her, you share a bunch of bullshit to everyone off camera and then don't want to take accountability for it. And she goes into how you know she fights with Shane, but she shows it. That is a frustration that I think many cast members across many franchises have with one another, but it's not always that that frustration is brought to the show. Sometimes that's the underlying frustration that will come out in a different argument, but this is like a full fourth wall break. And we don't always see that. It has to get to a certain point for us to see that. And show dynamics of your one person off camera, one person on camera. Those are things like they don't always get to that bubbling breaking point where it needs to be discussed. But a moment like this, it's like, oh, you forget. Sometimes you, I even like with the Kardashians or even some of the housewives, we watch them on these shows and like feel like we know what their day looks like and their conversations look like, but we're not watching them and all their friends talk about being housewives or talk about, oh, honey, at 6 p.m. the crew is coming, so make sure you're not in your underwear. Like we will never see those moments because we're not really supposed to know that they're on camera, which like is a blessing and a curse. So you forget that the dynamics of like who's bringing what to the show, who's showing up for work, and who's I guess, betraying you for the sake of the show, like that does play a real role in their friendships. And I think this was such like a real example of that and such a reminder to us as viewers that like, oh yeah, this like goes into it. But that was also one of the reasons that we liked Ultimate Girls Trip so much because here yes. you have all these housewives, right? You have all these housewives from these different cities that are talking about what it's like to be a housewife, which for women where we've been in their houses for years and years, and some of them in these very intimate settings, that's really not something we hear from them. And it, it did feel like to be a fly on the wall for that was something I couldn't get enough of. No, I know. Same. This fight felt like, 
I, I just can't explain it other than like really real and really frustrating. Like the frustration level, I think of Emily is what everyone was feeling. I mean, you felt it when Heather sat down and said like, I don't know how to tell this to you like more than one way other than like, I don't feel like I've been talking about your relationship and I really care about you and this needs to be squashed. But Shannon is so caught up in the storm of it and the anxiety of potentially something about her and John getting out there that she just needs somebody to blame it on. I just like refuse to see Heather in the way that Shannon is choosing to see Heather. Like that is just not at all my perspective on Heather, both getting to know her personally, but also only from viewing her on the show. Like with this particular situation, while I feel for Shannon, because you can tell she's just losing it a little bit and needs somewhere to place her frustration, I will not allow Heather to be the scapegoat in the way that she's allowing her to be. And by the way, in the way that Tamara is flawlessly executing, because if we flash to that taco dinner, everything Tamara planned has worked. Here she is sitting across from Shannon, you know, talking to her just about how those aren't her real friends. And these are the people that are there for her when shit hits the fan. And it's like, we are in this mess because of what you brought up, blaming it on Heather and Shannon, as we saw from the first time this was mentioned at that lunch with Vicky, Shannon was on board enough to believe you. Oh God, Tamara's really given us a hard time. She's not making it easy. She's not making it easy because she's so, I was going to say good at what she does, which she is, but I think to your average viewer, she lacks that subtlety that can be at times frustrating, but it's more so she's really good at playing Shannon. It Like a fucking fiddle. They all kind of capitalize on Shannon's chaos. I was about to say, yeah, Shannon's chaotic personality and her ability to get easily frazzled. Like it's certainly a weak point for her and everyone is aware of it. And Tamara specifically really knows how to play into that in a way that I find to be manipulative while still also maintaining the fact that I do think Tamara cares about Shannon. That's the thing. I think for the most part, all of these women care about Shannon on some level. Like she carries something about her that I think makes them feel as though they want to help her in a way. Like I I say that without making them sound like they're pitying her, like she's this victim, but there's something about the chaos with which she operates that clearly brings something out of all of them. But it's like that balance of caring and then also being deeply bothered by. Well, even Emily, when they sat down for that lunch, she's like, oh, whenever I just see you, I just want to have fun and take shots and like forget all the bullshit. Like there's just an effect and a lovable thing about Shannon. I feel it too. I get it. I get so frustrated by her, but I love her so much. Tamara's issue is that on her sliding scale of friendships and how much she cares about people, yes, Shannon is very high up. I think she loves her and really does care about her. However... No matter what, and we've seen this play out in a lot of factors in her life and her relationships and everything, the show and making a good show and being a controversial, iconic housewife who makes incredible TV will always come first. And as much as she tries to not make that the case or really, I think, believes sometimes that that's not the case, it, it just is. Like you see it even with Jen, like you just, it, it's just the truth. It is the truth. What would you think about the Jen-Gina situation? Yeah, I would like to get into the Gina situation. The whole DUI thing 
it really rubbed me the wrong way with with Shannon. Even when they cut back to that old clip and how Shannon, I think, really wants to make it a lot about her and just some of the things that she said about Gina in such a sensitive situation. I was glad that Jen came and told her about it because like, I think she knew if I'm you and I'm a mother and I was in that position, this is like past petty bullshit of being a tattletale. This is something you like really need to know about someone, especially when she was about to watch Gina go in and try and repair her relationship with Shannon. And when she said so powerful, when she said, you can't light me on fire and watch me burn just so they don't look at you. That was exactly what was going on. Well, Shannon has repeatedly done this when it comes to the Gina DUI situation in that any praise that she would have received for helping Gina in the way that she did was very much overshadowed by her constant need to get that praise. It's like at a certain point, doing a good deed for someone no longer counts in the way you think it counts when you are constantly seeking that recognition. Like There's a whole you know idea behind doing mitzvahs in silence. And it's like, one thing about Shannon, if she's going to do something nice, she's going to remind you for the rest of your life that she did it. And not to say that it wasn't nice of her to help Gina, but the way that she constantly brings it up and drags it out as though she is now deserving of a different level of treatment from Gina because of that, I find very upsetting if I'm Gina. Well, I just like, why, what, how is it coming up now? Like, why? Right. Jen was truly horrified. You see, that's a prime example of Jen being non-jaded to this in a way that everyone else is. Because anyone else sitting at that table, even someone that has a very solid relationship with Gina, I don't think they would have been so shaken up by that because they would have been used to it. You have to have a certain level of newness to the whole way housewives work to have the type of reaction that Jen had. The problem too with the people who were at that taco party specifically at that night is like they were kind of an echo chamber when it came to all of these conversations. So like no one was pushing back. Like if Heather had been there, she would have said, well, wait, like that's not true. No one was going to say, didn't you just help her with the lawyer? Like you didn't keep her out of jail. Let's not, you know, make this something that it wasn't. No one there was going to say that. And by the way, everyone at that moment is so kind of afraid of Shannon. They're just kind of sure, whatever, like petting her, stroking her ego, letting it go for the night because the consequences are not that big, but the consequences of pushing back on Shannon could erupt them to a place that they're not trying to go. Well, it's also because they have the awareness that in that moment for that evening, when Shannon had the plan that six more people were going to be there and they, and they then pulled out, she was feeling very abandoned. And if you are someone like Tamara, you understand that you possibly have the best shot at getting that revived intimacy with Shannon and really having her trust you when she feels abandoned and when she's looking for that type of connection. Tamara knows exactly when to be there for Shannon in which way. And so when Shannon feels like her true friends are betraying her, that's the perfect time if you're Tamara to swoop in and show, see, we're sitting here. We're what you really need. And unfortunately, Shannon is at a place in her life where she believes that. This was just such a jam-packed good episode with bits of Heather Dubrow real estate porn sprinkled in. Like I could not have asked for anything more, truly. Right. Like give me all of that on top of the Roberto Cavalli suede doors. Yeah. Oh my um, God, heaven. Let's talk about baby making for a second because 
It's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. The way that I feel about New York is similar to how I felt last week. Great to watch. Not that much to say. Like, I'm telling you, I'm standing on the treadmill. I was watching the episode. I think I was smiling ear to ear. There was fashion. There was diamonds. Like, the whole thing was exquisite and perfect and exactly what I'm craving. I felt like a kid in a candy shop. But like, I I don't know. I I don't want to go through Bryn's one-liners. She's funny. I'm not offended by any of it. Everybody getting their panties in a twist needs to like, smoke a joint and take a walk. And the dynamics are amazing. Like that's it. That's literally all I have to say. Yeah. I would echo that sentiments. I mean, as a side, not in terms of the dynamics between the women, but because we're starting to get to know them better and their families better. I do think it's interesting seeing the different relationships. And specifically with this episode, the two relationship focuses were really Jessel and Pavitt. And then of course, Aaron and Abe and the difference in their relationships and just the way in which they interact with one another is very glaring. It's such a stark contrast. I, I will say though, Jessel and Pavitt were giving us some really funny back and forth. Like, I don't think they actually were trying to be funny, which is why it was amazing. And they have great banter, I guess, if they even know that they're having the banter. And then also cutting to Sai and David, who also are very different from both of them. Like it just, it felt like such a good, real healthy balance. And like, that's just, I mean, that's just what we love. That's what I'm saying. I'm loving watching this. I just, in this current moment, I don't have that much to say. I know. They were just cracking me up though. The Coachella lineup. The Coachella lineup, the speeches. It just was, it was really good. Jenna, 
Uh, Jenna just, I mean, what can you even say? She's too iconic. Okay, in terms of Atlanta. <laughs> I love like, Atlanta this week too. No, another one. So fun to watch. Don't have that much to say. But like, I feel every single week I turn on Atlanta and Ralph Pittman. Gives you a pit. Bit. <laughs> well, aside from that, he begs to for us to answer the question of just like, how annoying can this motherfucker be? And every week, somehow that level rises. Guinness motherfucking book of world records. That scene where he is talking to Drew about her sex scene with a woman was like so deeply uncomfortable because she was so deeply uncomfortable and you were picking up on that. And this is a tale as old as time in terms of the way many straight men can take lesbian relationships and turn it into something that is really for their pleasure. And at times think that it is done with the purpose of their benefit in mind. Like that's a whole separate conversation. But with this particular situation, just with Drew and Ralph, what I found to be more upsetting than even that was when she made it known that up until this point, he has given pretty much zero interest to what has gone into this role for her and really kind of just her acting career. And now this is when he chooses to zone in. And that's more than disgusting. Like if I'm her, that's really hurtful. It's like when it becomes a little bit of a fetish for you, now all of a sudden you're tuned into my work and the thing that I'm taking very seriously. It's highly minimizing and deeply unsupportive. And then I think on top of everything you just said, I think he thought like this conversation and him coming in hot in this way was like really like cool and sexy almost like for the cameras and that he was really doing something there. In the meantime, it just made him look like such a fucking asshole, but he felt so proud of himself. You know, like he was so excited to have this conversation and sort of get into it with Drew and ask all these questions. Like he was being so smart and it just was not, not, not it. It just, oh God, I can't fucking take him. She was really uncomfortable. Yeah. She was really uncomfortable and she felt really objectified, you could tell. And it's unfortunate enough that oftentimes women are made to feel that way by men. But then when it's your husband, that is just not a situation you want to find yourself in. And what's interesting is that obviously we know these confessionals are recorded after the fact. And so she's talking about this, but of course she's talking about it in some ways through the lens of her future self that has either filed for divorce from Ralph or is very much in the process. I don't know exactly when these confessionals were filmed, but she's realizing at the time of recording these confessionals just how gross his behavior was in a way that she maybe didn't fully recognize at the time. And also like the scene sandwiched between Candy and Todd and even herself talking about how much went into the role and how proud she is of it like in a prof- in such a professional way and like a work ethic way to then him, it was like, oh my God, I can't. Like the editors don't even need to do him dirty because he just does it himself, like naturally. Like the editors are like, oh, job's done. We could pack up early. Yeah, there's there's honestly little that they have to do in terms of convincing us. I would love to pivot to Sheree's party for Mecca. I mean, Bob had a fucking left field. No, Bob Whitfield came and fucking stole the show. Give that man a peach. I said to you, my favorite part of like literally anything this week is that minute back and forth between Candy and Bob because they have so much history, as you can tell. Like Candy said, she's known him since she was 19 years old. She's busting his balls. 
asking him all the questions. They were being so funny. And I said, my vote is for a season of crappy Lake with Bob Whitfield and Candy Burris. <laughs> like imagine how good that is TV. Like I literally, <laughs> when he started walking away, I'm like, no, Bob, don't go anymore. That is some shit I would watch in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, right? And by the way, Todd would probably produce it. Yeah. Oh my God. Todd would produce the fuck out of it. It would be amazing. Sheree in real time processing that that was his daughter. That was a, that was, was wild. That was such a good television. You were at your first grandchild's sippancy and your ex-husband is introducing you to the daughter you never knew he had. While you're taking a family picture. Right. While you're taking a family photo and you are bringing in your boyfriend because you think that he's bringing in his girlfriend. So you're kind of just going with it. Like what? You can't write it. You can't write it. No, you, you really, really can't write it. Bethany Frankel, you better not fucking take this away from me. <laughs> like, take whatever you want. Do not take this away from me. No, 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 no. Oh my God. It was so good. That is that is some reality TV that does not need a reckoning, I'll tell you that much. No, no. Oof. Anything else that you'd like to mention about anything? Um, I think that's it. I think so as well. We love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And Julie and I will see you later this week for the Kardashian episode. And by the way, a reminder, I said it on Tuesday's episode, but I want to say it again. We are off for all three episodes next week. I'll remind you again on the Kardashian one, but just want to let you guys know that we love you. And we'll be back just in time for Salt Lake City to premiere. Hashem. <laughs>so I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.